0: Well, we are in a series on wisdom. The fear of the Lord, we have noted, is the beginning of wisdom. That's Proverbs 9, verse 10. We defined the fear of the Lord as being aware and acknowledging the Lord's glory, his truth, and ordering our steps accordingly. Walking securely in the love and the care that the Lord has for us so this morning let's talk about the fear of the Lord now from a slightly different angle. We're just building this concept of the fear of the Lord, because if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, if it's the entryway into wisdom, becoming a wise person, I want to know what that looks like. So the fear of the Lord, we can also consider it in this way. In all of our thoughts, affections. Convictions, plans, activities, and such. We make room for the Lord. We make room for the Lord in all of our pursuits, our affections, our thoughts, and we don't give him the leftovers. Right? We are intentional about making room in all that we do, for the Lord, this is a step by step process. This is something that we grow in for some people it 's a disposition that we that we uh, adapt overnight and then we grow in it. But for most of us lord willing there 's a steady growth in making room for the Lord in Russian, we say shagza shagam, step by step, maturing and developing in the Lord. So let me tell you one couple's story about the wisdom of God and how they their journey towards making room for the Lord in their lives. Uh, This is the Esenov family. I've mentioned them before, from Kazakhstan. We have supported Pastor Pavel for many, many years, and this family is in his church. They have adopted 55 kids. They have made room in their home and in their hearts for 55 kids. I believe this is from a few years ago, like the younger 26 or something. Um, but I want to tell you their journey to where they are now. Because to me, it's quite remarkable. A number of years ago, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Esenov, I mean, they were a good, moralistic, caring couple. And they had at that point brought in a few kids into their family. And so I think at some point they had grown to like seven or eight kids that they had adopted. And that's a lot. And so they thought to themselves, you know, uh, we ourselves are not religious, but we should give our kids exposure to who God is. We should give them religious training because that's what you do when you're a parent, right? even though we're not religious ourselves. Um, so they thought to themselves, and they said, well, we're going to go down to the local Baptist church. And um, uh, Mr. Estanov said, well, I'm not going, you're going. So she's like, fine, I'll go. I'll take the kids, I'll drop them off, and I'll get shopping done, and I'll come back and I'll pick them up, right? So uh, remember, this is like a village church, so it's not very big. So when she showed up, with, you know, eight kids or so, um, immediately the size of the Sunday school was doubled. So she quickly realized, actually, not so quick she can't leave. She needs to stay. Well, in her own words, uh, she was incredibly off-put by that, and begrudgingly sat through the worship service that first Sunday. And she was not amused, she was not happy, and she kind of, with a huff at the end, took the kids home, and that was that. And she kind of realized she was roped into this now, because they're so friendly, and they're so nice, and can't wait to see you next week. And she forces a smile, and she comes back next week. Well, here's what happened to Rosa. Over the course of about three months, she came every Sunday. She dropped the kids off at Sunday school, and she stayed. But something began to change in her own heart and in her own mind. After the initial annoyance, the first few times of having to be in church, somewhere she had never been before, she began to listen to the pastor. She began to observe people singing from what seemed to be a a sincere desire to be thankful to the Lord. She had not experienced this before. She began to experience and to see that actually these people actually love one another. And they love other people too. And they're doing really nice things in the community and so on and so forth. So her heart began to soften week after week. And she would listen to primarily Pastor Pavel as he would preach. And he would bring the truth and he would share the gospel. And I'm here to tell you that after about three months at the end of the worship service, she was down on her knees repenting, putting her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was born again in front of the whole congregation. Well, that was a brand new start for her. She, it was a journey for her of months and months, but she, be, she came through her conversion, obviously, to treasure who God is and his wisdom. So what is the first thing she did when she became a new Christian? It's usually what a lot of us do when we become a Christian later on in life. Well, we want to tell everybody about it. So she went home and she told Mr. Esenov about her experience. Of course, she'd been dropping little hints, you know, kind of along the way um, that things were changing in her thinking. But now she had the love of the Lord in her heart. Right. I mean, it's one thing to say something, but when your countenance backs it up, well, it's, you know, kind of hard to avoid. So she started engaging Mr. Esenov saying, you need to come to church. Now, I'm just telling you in his own words, he thought she had lost her mind. She's like, you become one of them. What are you doing? That's why I didn't go. Stop it. And did she stop it? No, she did not. She kept on talking about the Lord and she kept on inviting. Well, I shouldn't say inviting, telling him, pressing him to come. So he did what many husbands do do. And and he was honest. He's like, just to get her off my back, I will go. So he went. I can't remember how much time had gone by, but he went. It didn't take three months for Mr. Esenov. It took one Sunday. A man who had denied God, ignored him all of his life, albeit a good person per se, like a good moralistic person, on his knees repenting after one service. He was born again. His faith is now in Christ. And they went from eight to... 55. But my point is this, perhaps you can appreciate that personal story. It was a process for them. And the fruit of their conversion is shown in the love that they show their community where this just became a huge thing. So in scripture, we have this parallel truth, these concepts that are put in contrast. Over and over and over again. From the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Wisdom and folly. The wise person and the fool. Over and over and over again. There are two paths in life. You will take the path of wisdom. Or you will take the path of a fool. Over and over Again, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn or scroll to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'd like to just give you an illustration. This will not be on the slides, but uh, you can just listen as I read through this because what I'd like to highlight this morning is how specifically the gospel is put in terms of wisdom and folly. If the gospel is the most precious. Jewel that we possess as believers in Christ. Possessing Christ himself. In us the hope of glory. Surely we will see. The concept of wisdom. And folly developed as we talk about the gospel. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. I'd like to read some of this passage. For the And notice the occurrences of folly or foolishness and wisdom for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved contrast it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning i will thwart where is the one who is wise where is the scribe where is the debater of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God he now speaks in hyperbole for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men there will always be but two paths to take in life you're taking God's path or you're taking the world's path It it doesn't change from generation to generation down the centuries. It literally is the same and it does not change. Let's skip down to verse 28. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is gospel terminology. No one boasts in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness. Sanctification. This literally is the gospel wrapped up all in one righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the lord do you see how paul speaking to a very very heathen culture in the corinthian church how he puts the two next to one another the corinthians they love to debate they love to sit around and talk about philosophy all day long and accomplish absolutely zero paul says the most precious and beautiful and the fullest expression of of wisdom is the gospel it is christ our cherished treasure Let's look at another passage. I'll just recall it for you. You might recall the rich man in Luke chapter 2. He was doing very well in life. Very well in life. In fact, he was doing so well, he was like thinking to himself, he's like, self, I think I'll build a bigger barn. Because I have so much. I have nothing else to do. So here's what I'll do. I'll take what I have. And I'll build bigger barns because I, I am going to keep getting richer, and I will keep acquiring more and more and more possessions. No room for God in his life. No room for the Lord in his planning, in his activities. In anything that he did, it was all about him. He was greedy. The word of the Lord came to him that night. But God said to him, You fool. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? You fool. Listen, for God, to make that indictment on a person is very, very jarring. You have lived the life of a fool because you never made room for me in your life. I gave you blessings upon blessings and you took them for yourself. You were greedy. You became fat and luxurious. You lived the life. Ignoring me, ignoring those around you, you live for yourself. Never left room in your heart for me, wisdom and folly will always be a fork in the road. It is intrinsic, obviously, to our response to the gospel. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are faced with choices every single day. So we'd like this morning to take a look at what a wise person looks like. What God's word says A man, woman, or child who is wise. What we would expect to see in their lives. What we would expect to see in their affections, in their what they are intentional about, and actually what it's like to hang around them. Because it's very different than those who are in the world. So I have just a handful of verses. They're all in Proverbs. We're going to walk through these. And paint a picture of what a wise person looks like. Let's begin with our attitudes and with our actions. Proverbs chapter 3. There's three elements to what is said here. Remember last week we looked at the iconic verses Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. This week, we'll start with verse 7. See, a lot of us know John three sixteen, But I'm here to tell you that John three seventeen and 18 are really important as well. And sometimes we know these popular and beloved verses, and yet the context around them is so amazing. So we continue to look at what a wise person looks like. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So now we're going to see more and more of what a wise person looks like. A wise person is not wise in their own eyes. That can often come across as arrogant or prideful. A wise person has sought the wisdom of the Lord and appreciates and values the counsel of wise people around them. A wise person is not wise in their own eyes, and of course, they fear the Lord, they reverence God. Why? Because you're not wise if you're not doing that. But there's another element here that's really important. They turn away from evil. That's an action. That's a decision. It is a decision to turn away from the evil that is there. James talks about pure religion. Pure religion in the sight of God. Taking care of widows in their distress and orphans and also keeping oneself unstained by the world. There is a settled decision to turn away from sin because we know what sin is and we don't want that stain on us. Those are three elements right there including action. So this is developed just a little bit more, a little bit later on. Proverbs chapter 14. One who is wise, verse 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. There's the contrast that we will see over and over and over again in big and in small ways in scripture. One who is wise is not one who's going to jump to conclusions, do things impulsively, but is cautious, is careful. She turns away from evil. We've already seen that. In contrast, a fool is both reckless and careless, not giving attention to his ways. Not stopping to consider the implications of if I do this, how will this impact people around me or myself or whomever. Remember, Peter said to be sober-minded. Now let's talk a little bit about our mistakes. This is really important. Proverbs chapter 9. We saw verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here are the two verses that go right before that. Do not reprove a scoffer, Proverbs 9, verse 8, or he will hate you. Now, scoffer is one of those synonyms for fool. There's lots of words, especially in Proverbs, for describing the people that you, know, you don't want to emulate. Scoffer is one of them. Don't reprove a scoffer. Do not come and drop wisdom on a scoffer because he will hate you for that. He's not interested in that. In contrast, reprove a wise man. Watch. And he will love you for it. A crucial element Of a man, woman, or child who is wise. Is that they appreciate wisdom. They appreciate and value when people come alongside, respectfully of course. And show them a better way. Or show them the error of their way. Of course... Of course, we're all human, it can sting, and maybe it's not given in the most gracious way, but generally speaking, one who is wise will love you when you come and you give wisdom to them. Give, but it's not just wisdom per se, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. You know why? When we are wise, when we love wise wisdom, when we cherish wisdom, we love it when people give us more. We love it when people give us more. The lights are on. Can you all hear me? All right. Um, so instruction to a wise man, he will be wiser, still teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning a fool, a scoffer will not take reproof, but a wise man, he will welcome it. He will thank you for it and he will love you for it. Fourth, another synonym for fool is the sluggard. This is one of my mom's favorite verses. Uh, when she was younger, she was actually a schoolteacher, and she made a little book about this, like a handmade book about, you know, going to nature and becoming wise. And uh, he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. If you're familiar with ants, you might find them annoying, but the truth is they are incredibly effective. They are hardworking. They get the job done. They work together. They're, I mean, they're lugging all kinds. I mean, it looks to you like a little, like a little rock, but I'm, it's like five times his weight. That's a big deal. They're getting it done. And so what is this proverb saying? Look at God's, God's wisdom. Look at his creation. Be wise. Stop Being lazy. Now this is a word many of us need to hear from time to time. Wisdom encompasses a godly work ethic. Being intentional about getting things done. Not putting things off until tomorrow. Constantly, forever and ever. But actually being productive and getting things done. You will never see a wise woman be idle all the time. You will never see a wise man or a wise child sitting around doing nothing all day long. Wisdom and a a solid work ethic and productivity goes together. Now, the effect that people have on us who are wise... You know, you probably know people who you would put in this category who are wise. You probably know people that you would put in the category of being a fool or at least foolish. And you can tell pretty quickly. But look at the benefit of being, though, with those who are wise. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. I speak for all parents everywhere, in all ages. Lord, let my kids make good friends. Because we know, we know that bad company corrupts good morals. And our prayer is not just that, we, that our kids will avoid the ones that are going to pull them down completely, but we want, we want friends for them who will lift them up, who will really encourage them and help them develop and walk out their convictions. I know over the years I have appreciated so much people who are wise just being with them, and yes, usually they're older than me, but you just kind of feel like you're, you're soaking it up and you throw life scenarios at them, ones that you have recently been in and probably failed in. You say, what would you do in this scenario? And they tell you, and they're like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that earlier, right? But the effect of being with wise people is that we increase in our wisdom as well if we're receptive and open to that and like minded. But we, we keep the other side of of the coin in mind as well, that when we are a companion to fools, it's never a good thing for us. Now we live in the world. We have to rub shoulders with all kinds of people. He's not saying live in a little bubble. He uses the word companion. If you're choosing as your friend, someone who clearly is lacking wisdom, that's not going to help you out One bin. There's one more. Let's not talk about adults only. Because one thing I really want to focus when I mention wisdom. Is that God's wisdom is available not just to the aged. Not just to those who have lived a long time. Certainly that helps develop wisdom if you learn from your mistakes. But God's wisdom is available to kids. As well, And that's the beautiful thing. Proverbs 10 verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. This is a deep, deep verse. So now that we're including intentionally kids in this whole discussion, I want to make this a general application. Wisdom in us, when we cherish wisdom, when we pursue wisdom, when we grow in wisdom, the net effect is those who love us, those who are around us, are proud of us in the best possible way. Have you ever been associated with someone and in a public moment you try to disassociate yourself from that person? You see, wisdom when it thrives. And when it grows within us, we're endeared to those people. And obviously those who are closest to us, we're proud of them. Because wisdom is pure. Wisdom is beautiful. And we think to ourselves, well, I'd like to be like that person. I'm proud to know that person. I'm proud to be around that person. I'm happy for people to know that that's my friend right there. Take all of these verses. I know, I mean, Proverbs is like these pithy statements just kind of thrown at you. I've taken a handful to paint a picture of what it looks like to walk in wisdom. The choices that we make to treasure wisdom, to pursue wisdom. And it goes without saying God's wisdom is right here. This is why with confidence we can say that kids can be wise. Because when kids incline their heart to the Lord sincerely, they grow in wisdom. It's a beautiful thing. It is not out of reach for any of us. And that's what Scripture says. Remember Proverbs 8 wisdom lifts up her voices in the marketplace, literally saying, Why would you be a fool? I'm right here. The Lord enjoins us to pursue wisdom with all that we have, to know God's wisdom, and to live accordingly. So I commend these verses to you. Remember, wisdom, with, if I could say with a capital W, wisdom is about the big decision. Will you trust Christ? Is the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior, the gospel? But as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ... There's a million decisions before us each and every day. And the Lord is conjoining us to grow in wisdom, to grow to make decisions that are honoring to him so that in all ways wisdom thrives within us. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer this morning. As I said, there's always a contrast that is developed in Scripture. Wisdom and folly. The wise one and the fool. I want to make so clear this morning the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible declares very plainly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we are sinners. We do what comes naturally to us. Not saying there's not good in us, in the sense of being capable of doing good things. But the scripture says, Ephesians 2, that those who do not know the Lord, here's the word, their foolish hearts are darkened. Ephesians chapter 2. The best news that anyone could ever hear is that Jesus Christ died for sinners, took our sins upon himself, was buried, and rose again. The Bible says when we turn in repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ and place our faith in him and in him alone as our Savior, the Bible says when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved, completely forgiven. If you have never turned to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. I'm speaking now to my fellow believers in Christ. Consider these verses and a multitude of others as well. Are we increasing in wisdom? Are we pursuing wisdom and valuing and cherishing wisdom in all that we do? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. For your grace. Thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your wisdom which is seen in creation. It's seen in the gospel. Oh Lord, help us to live Differently than those around us. To thrive in wisdom, for wisdom to settle in our hearts and in our minds, in contradistinction to the world around us. Fill us with your joy as we walk with you. And may the wisdom that people perceive in our lives, though it might be offensive via the gospel, pray that it would also be so attractive to those around us lord we give you thanks and praise in jesus name amen